Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Let's get in the Word. Go grab your Bible. Go with me to Numbers chapter number 20. Numbers chapter number 20. I'm going to read a story to you. Numbers chapter number 20. And we'll start reading with verse number 1. Numbers chapter 20, verse number 1. The Israelites... The whole congregation came into the wilderness of Zin in the first month. And the people stayed in Kadesh. Miriam died there and she was buried there. Now there was no water for the congregation. So they gathered together against Moses and against Aaron. The people quarreled with Moses and said, Would that we had died when our kindred died before the Lord. Listen to this. Moses just led them out of captivity, out of slavery. And they're saying, we just wish we would have died with everybody else. Because we don't have any water. Why have you brought the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness for us and our livestock to die here? The blessings of being in leadership. What gets an amen from one crowd gets a crucify him from another crowd spend your life trying to appease everyone, you're going to drive yourself crazy. Moses thought that they would have been appreciative that he led them, you know, out of bondage to Egypt. And now they don't have water. They're thirsty. (laughs) We should have just died. If I knew it was going to be like this. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to bring us into this wretched place? It is no place for grain or figs or vines or pomegranates. And there's no water to drink. They are hung up on the fact that they're thirsty. The things that people can get hung up on. Then Moses and Aaron went away from the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting. They fell on their faces and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Take the staff. It sounds good at first because you think, and beat everybody that's saying something, but that's not. Take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and your brother Aaron, and command the rock before their eyes to yield its water. Speak to the rock before their eyes to yield its water. Thus you shall bring water out of the rock for them. Thus you'll provide drink for the congregation of their livestock. Now, this has already happened once in Moses' life. God told him to speak to the rock. He speaks to the rock. Water comes up. But how quick we forget things that God did for us before. Verse 9. So Moses took the staff from before the Lord as he had commanded him. Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And I love this part. And Moses said to them, listen. Listen, you bunch of rebels. Shall we bring, you want water? You want water? Shall we bring water out of the truck? Oh, you want some water, do you? You want some water? 
Listen, you rebel, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? That Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock twice with his staff. Moses went off and just starts hitting stuff. And water came out. And the congregation and their livestock drank. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to start hitting stuff. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me, watch, because you did not trust me to show my holiness before the eyes of Israel, therefore you will not bring this assembly into the land that I've given them. You've been leading them for 40 years. And because you reacted in one moment of frustration, it cost you everything. These are the waters of Meribah where the people of Israel quarreled with the Lord and by which he showed his holiness. Amen. That's a good chance of things. I, uh, my, my family, we're, it's an interesting bunch. My, my, my wife is one of the most optimistic people you'll meet. She takes every situation and tries to spin it into a positive. Even when it's not appropriate to do that, she tries to spin it into a positive. Okay, It gets on my nerves deeply. Me and Irv have had conversations about it for 15 years, but some things are never going to change. That's just who she is, right? And I'm thankful for that because she tells me that I'm a pessimist. I like to call it a realist, but she says I'm a pessimist. My daughter, my oldest daughter, Annalise, she's 13 years old. Over the last several months, she had two just freak accidents, just doing random things at, at the house. Both of her kneecaps, one at, at separate times, popped out of place. And one time she was out in the backyard just being silly, and a kneecap popped out of place. Then a few months later, the other kneecap popped out of place. But the first time it happened, she was out in the backyard playing with her little brother. Her kneecap pops out of place. I'm in the house doing something. They run in there. They tell me. They Tell me, I run outside and I pick her up and it, it looks gnarly. And I, I don't have the stomach for that kind of thing. You know what I'm talking about? Like when they do an instant replay of a football player getting injured, I can't watch. All right? It's over here. It's over here. And I, yeah, exactly. That's exactly. <laughs> Glory to God. So I pick her up and I'm not looking at it. And I'm taking her to the car. And as I get ready to put this, she's, she's weeping. She is sobbing. This is the most pain she's ever experienced in her entire life. Not to mention it looks super freaky. Her little brother's losing his mind. He thinks her leg's going to fall off. Her little sister's losing her mind. It is pandemonium. The neighbors come outside to see what all the chaos is about. I'm looking like this. I'm not looking at that. And then it pops back into places right as I'm about to put her in the car to take her to the hospital. And then my wife walks up and says, We'll look at it this way, honey. Somebody don't have to do their chores for a few weeks. And my oldest daughter, her personality is a lot like mine, and we're both like. That's, that's who she is. She's always, she's always trying to turn something into a positive. God, if, if, God forbid, if my, if my right arm got blown off in a freak accident, she would be like, well, guess who gets to learn to write left-handed now? You're going to be ambidextrous. I wouldn't be able to do it, but I know you, and I believe in you. You're like, <laughs> now, my youngest daughter, my middle child, she's my youngest daughter. She's completely the opposite. For my wife, everything is fine. For my youngest daughter, nothing is right. Ever. 
I remember a couple of weeks ago, I went to school to pick her up from school. And when she walks out, she's beaming. I thought, oh, thank God. This has been a good day. She walks out and she's beaming. She's smiling. She's got this little grin on her face when she gets in the car. She gets in the car and I always say, honey, how was your day? She goes, so this is the words came out of her mouth. She's 10. This words came out of her mouth. This is the best day of my life. Now, she's been to Disney World more times than I can count. Spent tens of thousands of dollars doing that. She's been all over the world. She's traveled. She's eaten in some of the finest restaurants in the world. But this random Tuesday at school was the best day of her life. And I'm like, oh, honey, that is so great. Tell me about it. And then, you parents, you know, I wasn't really listening at that point, but she's telling me. And the, we, they go to school in Hardin Valley, so you pull out of the elementary school and you go into the middle school. It's just right around the corner. And when we pull into the middle school, she's still telling me about how phenomenal this day has been. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that is so ridiculously fantastic. And she's like, I know Right? And I'm like, yes. And then there's a hill there, and they've got a bunch of kids playing on the hill. And she goes, Dad, can I run up there and play with everybody? I said, honey, not right now. The car line's going to start moving, and I won't be able to find you. She's like, Dad. I'm like, no, honey, not right now. Dad. And I'm like, no, don't ask again. No. So help me God. This is 45 seconds ago. There was never been a day like this day. And God is my witness. I hear her. She turns and looks out the window like women do when they get mad in the car. They've already learned it at 10. It's in their bones. It's wired in them. She's looking out the window and she's. And I hear these words come out of her mouth under her breath. This is the worst day of my life. (laughs) At that point, I can't say I'm I'm helpless. I'm not equipped to handle all that that was. These extremes, even though in in the case of my family, they're kind of comical, I still see this in the life of the church right now. Somebody sent me a video of a real popular pastor on Facebook. He's got like over 2 million followers, and he got on there and like, I'm I'm a pretty laid back guy, but even, I mean, he was inducing anxiety even in me. And he was like, y'all see what's going on in this nation right now? They're coming for us. Who's they? And who's us? So what he said, heads are about to roll. I'm about to tell you, heads are about to roll. He said, this Thanksgiving, mark my words, your family is going to turn you into the police for having too many people in your house. I was like, Jesus Christ. I'm from Alabama. We're going to Alabama. They don't even know there is a virus down there. (laughs) Right? If they didn't have the news, they would never have known people have been dying all over the place. He said, they're coming for you. And then I look at the comments and everybody's like, oh, my God. Then they posted a clip of another preacher saying, Christians, it's time to sell everything you got and buy more ammunition. This is what it's come to. This is the book of Revelation playing out before our eyes. I'm like, how do you people sleep at night? need to put you in a padded room somewhere this instability if you don't learn anything about this season learn this fear sells fear sells 
And whenever you hear, it is one thing to be to be wisely cautious. Wearing a mask is you being wisely cautious. But storing up MREs for the next 15 years and buying ammunition because they are coming for us. You need to tap the brakes. I'm concerned that we have not built into the church a mature enough foundation that causes us, causes us to be stable during all of this. I want to talk to you today about something very, very simple. Be stable. Be stable. Say that with me. Say be stable. Say it again. Don't that feel good just saying it? Be stable. I know there's a lot of things going on that we don't have answers for. You have a lot of questions. That's fine. That is fine. I'm not, I'm not saying don't have questions. I'm not saying don't be concerned about it. But be stable in the middle of all of that. Stability is having the ability to stand up under pressure and still make a logical decision. You hearing what I'm saying? It's the ability to be surrounded by and have everything swirling about you. Everything's going to die. Your kid's going to be beheaded. It's all over. And you not letting all of that noise get into you. We can't let that get into us. All right? I mean, he was saying, this is what this preacher, he's a very popular preacher. He was saying, Mark my words. The government is going to invade your house at Thanksgiving. Some of you are like, well, <laughs> calm down. Don't let that get into you. You can't let that get into you. You can't let that get into you because then we react out of that place and we start lashing out at that place, from that place. Then we get angry, we get impatient, we get short, we become unchristian, we become unkind, we become unloving because we've allowed fear to get down on the inside of us and fear sells. You know how many books I could buy you right now on Amazon about how the world is about to explode? About a million. Do you know how many books I could buy you on Amazon that says Jesus is still on the throne, everything's going to be all right? About two. Because we sell this stuff. We peddle it. We like it. We feed off of it. For some of us, our existence is so mundane, it gives us something to be passionate about. Be stable. Quit getting so agitated, so churned up. You can go through this entire Thanksgiving and, and see all them family members. You know exactly what I mean when I say that. The drunk uncle, the opinionated cousin, right? <laughs> I'll start calling names and start a fight in here right now. And it gets just agitates you and it ruins your entire week. The only thing, you know what I mean when I say agitated? 
It's like that thing. You remember the old washing machines? They had that thing in the middle. They don't even make them like that anymore because it tear up your clothes. But you know what they call that? They call that the agitator. Churn you up. He that angers you controls you. And when you allow people to get inside of you in that way, it proves we don't have boundaries strong enough to keep them out of us. You hearing what I'm saying? They can agitate us. I have to tell my kids all the time, especially when my 13-year-old starts being a 13-year-old. You know what I'm talking about? And gets that 13-year-old attitude going. And she's like, and I say, listen, you're not going to make me escalate my voice beyond this. For let me explain something to you. I am in control. This isn't, we don't go back and forth. This is not a democracy. This is a dictatorship. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're not going to get that out of me. I cannot tell you how many, this happens all the time in marriage. 90% of the time that I am having to deal with married couples, what they are doing is, it is one party trying to justify their bad behavior based upon the bad behavior of the other party. Yeah, I cussed her out. She burnt the beef stew. I talked to a couple of, yeah, I choked her. She said that. But this is what she did. You have no control. That's why the Bible says, he that doesn't have any rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without what? Let me show you that verse. Flip to Proverbs real quick. Keep your finger there in Numbers 20. Let me show you this verse in Proverbs. Go to Proverbs 25. Y'all with me? Y'all wanted a shouting message? I'm sorry. Proverbs 25, verse 28. Like a city breached without walls is one who lacks self-control. The King James says, He that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. What does he mean when he says you are without walls? He means you have no defenses. You have no boundaries. Things can go in and things can go out. The enemy can come in. The enemy can go out simply because you cannot get control of yourself. We get agitated. We let people's words get down on the inside of us. You ever read a Facebook post and had to get up and just walk? Just walk it off. I have. And then I'm thinking, I don't even know this person. Y'all are awfully quiet this morning. You're getting agitated right now, aren't you? You ever read something on Facebook and he just hacks you off? and you? How many times, how many times has God spoke to you and said, don't you post that? Delete. You just... Smoke coming off that keyboard. And then another thing. Then you get to the end, you're like, I can't do that. Some people don't have that filter, and some people need to develop it. But that's another sermon for another time. I posted on Facebook the other day once the election results were announced on a Saturday through the media. I understand the media. I get it. I get it. Don't stop. I don't want to be educated. I get it. I went to college, and I have a brain. But I said these words. I said, to Hope Unlimited Church. This is how I started. This is how I started my little epistle. To Hope Unlimited Church. 
Let us pray for President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, just as we prayed for and continue to pray for President Trump and Vice President Pence. I get comments like this. I can't believe you believe in abortion. I didn't know I did. I was just calling for prayer because Paul said we should pray for those that authority. But how we devolved into this is beyond me. Somebody sent me a message, direct message, some lady just ferocious. She said, you have no business telling Christians what to do. And I had to write her back and say, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to Hope Unlimited Church. <laughs> Read it again. We get agitated. And when we allow all of this fear to pound us all day long, and you hear this side, and then you hear that side, and you hear this side, and you hear that side, and then you try to make sense out of all of it, it gets in us, stirs us up, causes us to react. And that is not God's will for our life. That stuff will steal your peace. That stuff will steal your joy. That stuff, listen, that stuff will steal hours of your day. You'll wake up and you'll realize for the last two weeks, I've done nothing but fight on Facebook. And that is not what God's called you to do with your life. Right? I've found that before. I, can, I have posted things and then I see it's getting out of control and I delete it. I'm like, I can't, I can't spend the next three weeks moderating comments. Can't do it. Don't let that stuff agitate us. You have to be stable. When we hear all of this stuff, we are able to stand up underneath it. Even situations that we do not like and still think Christianly and still think logically. You hear me? This is exactly what happens with Moses. God, listen, I believe, I truly believe this. God gives us ability and God has to develop in us stability ability will make people follow you stability will make people trust you you hear what I'm saying ability makes people follow you you're productive. You get stuff done. You have a gift. But stability makes them trust you. Moses is leading Israel through the desert. And because of their complaining, and because of their frustration, and because of them saying things that they do not even fully understand. It, remember, it is always, always, always easier to shoot at the person having to make the decision than actually be the person that has to make the decision. It's always easier. Anybody can quarterback from the, lo the lounge chair in the living room and not on the 50-yard line of the Super Bowl. That's why they call them armchair quarterbacks, right? Sitting there with a plate of fried chicken and a two-gallon liter of Coke and telling Tom Brady everything he's doing wrong. 
armchair quarterbacks. It's always easier to throw rocks at the person having to make the decision than being the guy that actually has to make the decision. And Israel is going through the wilderness and they were jawing at Moses and the King James calls it chiding with him. They are saying, you should have left us to die. And Moses said, God, what do you want me to do? Because I obeyed you and here we are. And people have this idea that if we obey God, we will never hit a rough patch. There were people in the New Testament that followed Jesus out into the desert. And when they got there, they realized we don't even have food enough to feed our kids. And we're doing it because we followed him. And even when you hit a rough spot, like they did following Jesus, and you don't have what you need, he can multiply what you do have and turn it into what you need. I need somebody to help me this morning. They hit a rough patch, and they're saying, you should have done this, and you should have got this. He says, what do you want me to do, God? And God says, I want you to speak. Start talking to the rock, and water's going to come out of it. And then Moses walks up to the people, and you can tell he does not have the heart of God on this issue. Because Moses, has, <laughs> it's really something when you've been away with the Lord, been along with God, the glory of God appears, and you come out with name-calling. I've been in the secret place, and this is what God said. You rebels. Then he starts slinging and hitting stuff, and God still blessed it. Even in his frustration, God still blessed it. But Moses got disqualified. Because Moses, in one moment, you were unstable the entire nation saw it. It's like that verse in Psalm 1. You know the verse in Psalm 1? Blessed man, walk not the counsel of the ungodly, stand the witnesses, sit in the seed of the scornful, his delight to be in the law of the Lord. It's all he'll meditate day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Watch. That brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf will not wither, and whatsoever he does will prosper. And we love that part, and we celebrate that part. Everything I touch is going to prosper. Everything I do is going to prosper. And I believe that is God's will for us. Everything you touch and everything you do. But before you get there, you have to get to like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That's why all through the Psalms, David would say, the Lord is at my right hand I will not I will not be moved I'm not going to be moved by this when I hear all of this stuff swirling I am not going to be moved by this the winds can come and the winds can blow but like a tree we used to say it like this in the Baptist church like a tree planted by the waters I shall not be moved we got to get that down on the inside of us no matter what is said, I'm not moved. It's worth considering. It's worth listening to. But I'm not going to be moved. I'm not going to be agitated. Moses goes to slapping stuff. And God says, you're not going into the promised land. Watch, because you did not trust me. He said, your exercise and frustration was actually a failure of faith. Listen, the area of our life that frustrates us the most is the area of our life where we trust God the least. (coughs) That stung, didn't it? The area of our life where we are the most frustrated. 
highlights where we are the least faithful. Moses, you didn't go off because the people got under your skin, although they did. You went off because you didn't trust me. You didn't trust me. I told you to do this. I told you to do this. You know how many times since being here in Knoxville, leaving everything that we have, being here and going through some of the storms that we went through, I've wanted to take a staff and start, start swinging wildly. <coughs> and God have to reel me in and say, if I called you to be here, you better trust me. God's called you to be where you're at, you better trust me. The place that we worry the most highlights where we trust him the least. Right? You watch the news and your blood pressure goes through the roof. You either need to cut the news off or learn to be stable. Learn to trust. I don't know. I can't explain all this. He's saying one thing. They're saying nothing. They say something completely different than they are over here. They're crazy, but They all saying stuff. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to trust God. I'm not saying don't listen to it. I'm not saying don't pay attention. I'm not saying don't don't ask questions and think. I'm certainly not saying that. But I am saying in the middle of all that, you got to trust Him. Because where we are the most frustrated, we're the least faithful. Right? So what God meant when he told Israel, he said, listen, before I take you into the wilderness, let me give you a commandment. You will have no other gods before me. And this is what he means by that. When he talks about them having other gods, he doesn't mean don't create statues and don't bow down to them. He deals with that in another commandment. What he does mean is this. Your God is whatever you lean on to deliver you. And if your person did get elected and you feel like deliverance has come, that's a God. And if your person didn't get elected and you feel like the world's going to burn, that's a God. Because you are leaning on them to deliver you. Amen? Don't have any other gods before you. Over the course of my adult life, I've had several bouts with uh, vertigo, if you ever had that. It's miserable. Vertigo is when just randomly the equilibrium gets off. You lose your balance. In the most terrible of circumstances, you can get just terribly, terribly sick. I've had it to where I couldn't even open my eyes or or move my head, and I would just get just horribly sick. But the last time I had it, I remember um, we were still living in Alabama, and I got up one morning, and I could tell something wasn't right. And so I was getting out of the bed, and I was walking to the bathroom to brush my teeth. And I remember my balance was off. And when you have it, it, everything feels like it's spinning. Everything feels like it's moving. And I remember I I grabbed the wall, and I was leaning up against the wall. And I was walking to the bathroom, leaning on it, leaning on the wall. When I get in there, I fall on the counter, and I'm leaning on the counter. It's just a terrible circumstance. The whole room's spinning. And then it dawned on me, because as preachers, you get illustrations of everything. <laughs> it dawned on me. It's amazing what we will reach for when the world's spinning. 
It's amazing what we will try to lean on when the whole world's spinning. When everything that I know, this isn't normal, this isn't right, and i got to find something to lean on. <coughs> and I'm wondering, what, what are we leaning on? Because the way I hear some of us talk, we're not leaning on Jesus. The world is spinning, so let's start shooting each other. We're going to lean on that. The world is spinning, so let's demonize each other and let's cancel each other and let's drive each other as far away from each other. We're leaning on that. What are we leaning on? No wonder we're so unstable because everything we reach for is unstable. Everything we lean on is unstable. I used to sing it like this in the Baptist church. This is Baptist church hymn day. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. In the middle of all of this, we're leaning on in the middle of all of this, staying stable. Somebody asked me the other day, they were talking about it. They were all worked up about everything going on. And they said it like this to me. They said it like this. They said, are you not concerned? <laughs> they had worked themselves up to a frenzy. I'd literally not said anything. I was just listening and shaking my head and giving one of those non-judgmental. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I guess that is a little judgmental. Hmm. 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 I was trying not to do that. But, Are you not concerned? And I fired back in like manner. No! <laughs> they talked themselves to l- nuclear levels of panic. Everything we know is over. What about your kids? I think they're going to be fine. Call me crazy. But I think no matter who's on the throne in Washington, there's a higher throne in heaven, and that's who we serve. And they're just like, I can't with you. There you go, being Christian and normal and logical and rational. I can't stand it. Say it with me again. Be stable. When you hear all this, I, sometimes I just listen to it for, for humor's sake. I'll be honest. I get a weird pleasure out of some of the stuff that I hear. But in the middle of it, I look, look, I hear you. I feel you. I understand why you feel that way. I understand why you see it that way. In the middle of all of that, that is not getting in me. It's not getting in me. It's not getting in me. It's not getting in us. It's not getting in us. God is still going to do what God wants to do. The plan of God for his people is not contingent upon anybody winning or losing anything. Okay? God's still going to do something phenomenal through his church. with me stand up on your feet so when thanksgiving comes along the team don't have to come jansen you can come on up let's do this let's play
So when Thanksgiving rolls around and y'all are about to take it outside and throw down in the front yard because somebody said something that you disagree with, hear me telling you, now be stable. Holidays are funny, boy. They're funny things. You love some people in your family, but you're like, man, I know why. We only see each other twice a year. (laughs) Be stable. Faith Listen to me. Faith is God's access point into your life. Okay? Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Faith is God's access point into your life. That's how God works in your life is through faith. Faith is God's access point into your life. Fear is the enemy's access point into your life. And fear sells. Fear sells. And I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me. I'm not saying, you know, we, we have people wear masks when they come to church. I'm not saying, you're living in That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that. I'm saying we need to do that as a gesture toward our neighbor. I'm not saying. But when we get so concerned, I mean, I know people that haven't slept. I know, I know people that haven't slept in days that have went on extended prayer and fasting out of fear. of everything that's going on. The world has never been worse. Never. A history book would cure so much of that. But that's beside the point. It's never been worse. And I just want to look at him and say, look, look, look. Calm. All the way down. Not halfway down. All the way down. Be stable. Don't let it get in you. Don't let it get in you. Listen, hear, consider, think, ponder, but don't let it get in you. Let peace that passes all. That's why he said that the peace of God will be a guard around your mind. In Philippians, that's what it said. The peace of God will be a guard around your mind be a guard around your mind we need to guard our minds don't cut yourself off listen here consider think ponder have conversations but guard your mind be stable amen lift your hands to the lord father we thank you for your goodness we thank you for your peace you are god you're the one that we lean on you're the one that we lean on We resist fear in all of its manifestations. We resist anxiety and worry in all of its manifestations. We resist agitation and frustration. We control our own spirit. We don't let these things get in us. Your word and faith in your word 
is all that can dwell in our hearts and reside in us. We drive out fear. We drive out anxiety. We say yes to faith. We say yes to peace. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen and amen. Listen, I hope you have a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal Thanksgiving. I hope it is absolutely off the charts. I hope you get some much-needed rest. And I hope you eat so much food it is sinful. Like, I hope you sin you eat so much. I mean, like, you have to repent. Now, listen, one more thing. After Thanksgiving, which is the most maligned and underappreciated holiday in the world, justice for Thanksgiving, but that's another topic. Black Friday happens the day after Thanksgiving. It'll probably actually start like Tuesday. Let, let, me, let me say this to you. Be stable. I don't want to see no Hope Unlimited church members in fist fights on the news over a PlayStation. <laughs> Amen? Be stable. Two years ago, my wife and her uh, mother and sister were shopping in Birmingham. And she called me. There was a shooting in the mall during Black Friday shopping. We need to be stable. I hope you have a phenomenal, restful, incredible holiday. And we will see you back here Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.